Yolanda Rasco. I heard Jimmy Carter say in all of his world travels, he has concluded that the most oppressed of all the human species is the woman. Yeah. Yet, Psalms 46 and 5 says, God is with her and she will not fall. And some translate that to say, she will not fail. I call that a paradox. How is it that the woman is seen as the most oppressed in the species, yet with the help of God, she's powerful enough to be able to keep standing under that oppression? That's powerful. And today's guest is going to really blow your mind. He is Aaron McNair, and he's here to talk about the cherished woman and how that kind of covering releases her superpowers in the woman as the woman in, in your life. And so Aaron is a father. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a nonprofit business owner and a business advisor with the Virginia um, Federal Reserve Bank. So Aaron has credentials out the yazoo. He is just what, but his credentials, his true credentials are walking and breathing. I see a cherished glow is what I call it that shines really brightly over all of the women in this man's life and they really truly reflect his love and his commitment for them. And so I brought him on today because we all need to know about his secret sauce. Hello Aaron and welcome to your show. Thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's so great to have you. And Erin, I will tell you, I'm not alone when I say that I recognize that women are often victims of many different types of oppression. You know, and we're not really here to go into all of that today. We don't have to look far to find the evidence of the, the types of things that women struggle with. And I also think it's fair to say that there are life experiences that will shape a female's self-acceptance, her self-awareness, her self-love in such a way that it just unleashes those phenomenal superpowers that we talk about. And I see that as something that you've done um, in the lives of the women that that you serve and support. So I want you to tell us about a few of the key principles that you use um, to guide you, to guide you on how you create these experiences for the women in your life. Okay, thank you again. Well, uh, the principles that I'm gonna talk about, they're gonna sound cliche or they are cliche, however you wanna phrase it, but they are so true uh, and they hold true in my life. So with that said, the first principle is love. And at an early age, I was taught to love and cherish women. By example, my biological mother, she passed away of breast cancer when I was 12. Uh, however, the years leading up to her death, she spent every aching moment that she could uh, teaching me how important it is to love women or have them feel loved, especially the ones that are in your life. Uh, she taught me daily affection and that it should never fade. Uh, every time, by example, every time my dad would come home and kiss and hug her, she would say, your wife is going to look forward to that every day, so don't ever stop. And that's one thing that, you know, I try to make sure I do daily, you know, if me and my wife are apart, uh, if she ran to the store, I've gone out real quick, uh, but I still come back and kiss and hug her as if, you know, we haven't seen each other in weeks. So that's one thing that I, I always do. And, you know, it, it just resonated in my head, uh, the things that my mom said when, when I was growing up. Um, she would often say, you know, for you as a boy, there's nothing more precious than having a baby sister. So love her, take care of her, protect her. Uh, and, you know, I took that to heart, you know, sometimes I 
probably went a little overboard <laughs> growing up with my sister. You know, she she didn't have many male friends, obviously, because I, I was a little overprotective. But, you know, it was for her own good. And, you know, I was a male and I knew how they thought. <laughs> so, you know, my best way of protecting her was keeping them away. You know, so again, mom said protect. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, and to this day, me and my sister, we have a great relationship. You know, she's, she's really just not my sister. She's one of my closest friends. Um, even though we don't live in the same city anymore, you know, I, I moved away, uh, but we talk constantly. We text constantly, FaceTime, Zoom now with, you know, with COVID. So, uh, you know, I really took that to heart. Another thing is she, my mom taught me how to cook. And, you know, it's a funny story behind that. Uh, my dad, he, he, Willie, you know him. <laughs> he, he couldn't boil water is what my mom used to say. <laughs> she was like, he does not know how to boil water. But I want you to be able to, you know, not only take care of yourself, but take care of the women in your life. And she said, when you're married and you're, you and your wife are both working, if you come home first, it's nothing more satisfying than having your husband already already have dinner prepared and you know now it's it's kind of weird because I do all the cooking in the house my wife just said hey you, you know you cook so well <laughs> you why don't you go in and take care of that now you know there's a compromise she does clean she does all the cleaning so I do all the cooking but you know comp compromise was also you know one of the things that I learned just in, in observing and listening to my mom in that short period of time of my life so you know I try to practice those things those are daily jewels she dropped on me and, you know, I try to insert those into my daily life and, you know, and actually pass it on to my son and my nephews and my cousins, anybody, anybody who will listen, to be honest. Well, listen, they're out there listening today because that's all good stuff. And your mom really did you a solid, you know, not just teaching you to cook, but teaching you what um, keeps a woman's attention and keeps her affection. And it sounds like that's one of the things that you, like you say, um, hung your hat on and, and took to heart and it's working for you. It is absolutely yeah. working for you. What else you got? Uh, another principle, again, cliche, but it's true. Communication. I, I know we say that a lot, especially when people say, how, you know, how do you keep your marriage going or how do you keep a good relationship going? And, you know, and it's not just in a marriage, it's any relationship. Communication is key. You know, so through the years, one of the things that, you know, you always heard, and there's a book about it, you know, where they say, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Uh, and I don't find that necessarily true. We just we communicate differently. Uh, and once you kind of figure out how a woman communicates, and, and everybody communicates in a different manner, but the, the women in your life as a man, once you understand how they communicate, then, you know, you kind of take that and, and you adjust your communication style. Um, communication by definition is the imparting or exchanging of information. However, I believe it's much more than that. You know, prime example, my wife and daughter, they are talkers. Uh, they can talk for days from sunup to sundown. Uh, my daughter, especially from an early, I don't even remember when she couldn't talk. That's how much she talks. <laughs> so from an early age, you would ask her, how was your day? And she would give you from the time she stepped foot in the classroom until she stepped back through the door, every aching moment. And But you had to be attentive and listen to it. Uh, you know, my son, different example, you say, how was your day? Fine. <laughs> One word answer. 
he said, it's fine. We, we accept that and keep moving. Um, but my wife and daughter, they're talkers. So one of the things that I discovered is, you know, I don't have to be as talkative, but I have to be engaged. You know, when they're telling me anything, you know, or they're talking to me, you know, I make that eye contact. I got to actively listen. You know, even if I'm sitting there watching the game and there's something important, they got to they gotta talk to me about, you know, you know, thank God for technology. I'll just pause the game now so I don't miss anything <laughs> and go back and, you know, you know, pay very close attention versus the, you know, the usual head nod or, you know, you may hit them with a say what or you don't say or, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty much we're not listening. Uh, but we're allowing you to communicate to us. Uh, and, and I had to change that. I had to make sure that, you know, especially when my wife and my daughter, when they're, you know, they're wanting to communicate to you, you should listen and you should engage because, you know, every day is not promised to us. So, you know, it'll be those days when one of us may be missing and, and you may feel, oh, I wish she was here, you know, so she could tell me this long story that I could, you know, listen to. So, when I actually communicate, though, you know, we get closer. We feel I feel closer to them, um, and I actually may learn something, and you know, or occasionally get some good gossip out of it. Always listen. Ain't nothing wrong with a little good gossip. Nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. I love that you talk about being um, really connected, like really engaged. The eye contact you mentioned, the active mm-hmm. listening, right? Those are things. You know, I'm. As you talk about that, I'm, I'm referencing in my head, you know, conversations that I've had where I have felt connected with somebody and it is those things. So, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it is absolutely those things. I feel far more connected if they are, you know, really looking at me and not just the, the standard. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. That's how we do. <laughs> it does something to you. So that's awesome. Okay. All right. And what else you got? All right. So my final principle, I would say is honesty, you know, and since we're talking about honesty, full disclosure, you know, at an early age, I was not as honest as I should have been, especially, you know, I would say through my teenage years up through my early twenties, you know, I, I don't even know if I knew how to be honest to women at that time in my life. Not sure why I was that way, but you know, I would just lie or say anything I thought they wanted to hear for, you know, for my own self-satisfaction. Um, and, and until one day I was actually having a conversation with my dad. Um, and now I realize what he was doing because I'm a father myself, but you know, you just, you kind of watch your children and you watch them grow and you kind of let them go down their own path. If you, if you feel they're going too far, you, you, you try to rail them back in and, and that's what he was doing. You know, we were having a, our, one of our famous, you know, heart to hearts that we have a lot. And he was like, son, I know you, I see you. And, and I'm like, you know, in my early twenties, like, what are you talking about? And he was like, he said, you're just like me at that age. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, cause one of the things I used to always be like, oh, I'm nothing like my dad. And everybody's like, oh, you look like him. You sound like him. You act like him. And, you know, and he just, he regurgitated that. He said, you are just like me at that age. He was like, I see you. He said, but, you know, think about this. He said, the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying, you know, how hard is it to keep up with these lies that you're telling, trying to remember what you said or what you didn't say? And he said, you know, this is what really stuck with me. He said, you're a man of God, and eventually the Holy Spirit will convict you. And I honestly think that conversation with him was the Holy Spirit convicting me then. Um, And he said, you know, also think about how they feel or how someone feels, you know, when you're not 
being honest or truthful to them and they find out that you're not being honest or truthful. And what really hit home is, you know, he was like, would you want someone to treat your sister the way that you, you're doing women now? And he said, you'd be ready to fight if that happened to your sister. And I was like, you're right. Uh, he said, so when you hurt someone, you know, by being dishonest, it does something to them and makes it difficult for them to cope in the future. And, you know, I never really thought of the impact that I was having on others because, uh, you know, quite honestly, again, I was just selfish and I had to learn not to be that way. And he said, you know, if you love people, try to be honest with them. He said, I'm sure it doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt that you have to remember a conversation now because you've been honest. And now that you've had that conversation of honesty, you know, you can say it again without stumbling through it. So, you know, I'm 47 now and that, that still resonates to this day with me. Um, and since then, and throughout the years, you know, I say what's on my mind. I, I, I'm as honest as I can be. And, you know, sometimes my wife says I'm brutally honest because <laughs> someone may ask my opinion and I'm going to tell them. And my wife is like, oh, my God, did you have to say it that way? I'm like, what? I'm being honest. And so, you know, there's there's level to your honesty. And I'm still trying to, you know, grow and learn from that. Well, I, I, I love that you shared that um, about the story about your dad, because, you know, it is important to um, hear from people who say, yeah, I've been there. I, I know exactly what you're what you're going through. And oh, by the way, it ain't gonna come out so well. Right. Oh, right. but you have the heart to hear um that and to be convicted and to, you know, make some kind of change or resolution in your life. And it's certainly serving you well. So think about this one though, um, Aaron. How do you manage ego in the process of building up these women? Like what do you do with that? You can't just like walk away from it or turn it off. What do you do? Right. Right. I could tell you, um, I have a great example of that because I am, you know, I would say in my past I was egotistical, but not from a standpoint of, you know, being conceited, but as a man, you know, you, you, you're taught, oh, you're supposed to be the head of the household and, you know, and you're taking care of everything. So my ego was getting the best of me from a standpoint of, of my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I had tried several businesses. Uh, they all were not successful. Um, they would start off okay and then sometimes crumble. And, but I knew in my spirit, I wanted to run my own business. Um, until 2011, uh, my wife and I decided to partner in these business ventures versus myself ha- saying, hey, I got this new business. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, her sitting back, you know, encouraging me, but I wasn't really bringing her in. So we started a business, which was her vision, uh, me being the having the business background and the knowledge, you know, I put that piece into play. But I had to put my ego aside and have her say, this is how I want the business to run. This is my vision. This is, you know, what should happen with the business. And, you know, and, and instead of me saying, oh, I've run several businesses, you, you know, you listen to me, you stand back. It didn't work that way. It was more of, you know, God having a plan saying, all right, you want to be an entrepreneur. You have a wife, a partner that's by your side. This is her passion. And her passion has always been taking care of people. Uh, So her vision was she wanted to initially do uh, group homes. Uh, However, we didn't have really the capital uh, or the means to have 
locations for group homes. Uh, so we ended up, you know, talking to advisors and um, counselors and things like that who said, hey, well, why don't you try a mental health company? Uh, what you can do is go to their homes versus you having a home of yourself. And, you know, and it actually worked out better because, you know, from a group home perspective, you got to, you know, you got to be available 24 seven, whereas with our business, we can at least still take time for each other and, you know, holidays and things like that. But anyway, I digress. Um, but the, the ego in me had to step back and say, okay, we can be successful if I listen. If I pay attention to what her vision is and then put it into play, obviously we kept God first and keep God first in our lives, but the business had been, has been thriving since 2011. So we're coming up almost on 10 years, whereas I had several businesses that may have lasted a year, may have lasted some months, maybe a couple of years, but never anything to this success. So what I've started to do and started to learn is that I cannot do everything on my own. Women are strong and can help you and can actually elevate you. So, you know, I, I'm very comfortable in who I am now. I'm very comfortable in being able to say, hey, this is our business. This was her vision. You know, this is what she wants done. Um, and, you know, I can execute. And so I started really utilizing the strength of all the women around me. So my daughter, who is now 18, she actually works for our company and she has lots of young, great ideas um, and we're incorporating them. We're using her skills uh, to make the business even better. So I have two women running the company, even though I have the entrepreneurial spirit, but that ego had to say, hey, you got to listen, you got to learn and you'll be successful for it. That is so powerful. And it's so amazing that they were right there with you and for you the whole time. You know, oh, yeah. best resources were right under your roof. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool revelation. Look at the preparation that God, you know, did. And oh, by the way, it's not like you had to hold their arm behind their back or hold a gun to their head to get them to work with you and to support you. And it sounds like it's really um, the right formula and the right formula for the family, not just for you anymore. Right. Now it's something that everyone can be a part of and embrace and be proud of. That's exactly. great. I appreciate you sharing that one. So uh, being a dad, I know you're a dad, you know, uh, of course, um, a friend, a coach, uh, you know, an employer. Yeah, these are all thankless jobs, right? So mm -hmm. what do you, how do you find this to be rewarding? Like if you're constantly giving, giving, giving to the people in your life, do you ever feel overwhelmed? Well, let me answer that first question. Oh, that second question first. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. There are times when I'm absolutely feeling overwhelmed. Um, and any man who says they never feel that, you know, that's just their pride. That's their ego speaking, trying to say, no, I got everything under control. You know, this, the world is a cruel place. Uh, and as you know, men, especially black men are taught to, you know, be looked at as tough. You know, we hold things in as kids. When we hurt ourselves, we were told to suck it up. Don't cry, you know. And so we're good at masking those feelings of being overwhelmed. Um, but I'm here to say as a father, a friend, a coach, a husband, and a black man, it's not always an easy task, you know. So yeah. yes, I'm overwhelmed. I've been overwhelmed. And I'm sure everybody, anybody listening to this, any man listening to this can relate. You know, they may not have admitted it, but, you know, once you get to a point in your life where you, you can let those type of things go, 
then, you know, your life can be a, a, a much smoother or daily process. Yeah, yeah. Men are human too, right? Men cry oh, in the definitely. Park. One of the books um, that's been out there. That's that's very cool. Yeah. Um, what else? So back to your initial question. Uh, what I find rewarding about being a father, a friend, a coach, a husband is really just seeing the growth in those that you're, you're taking time to nurture. Uh, so for example, you know, kids that I've coached 10 or 15 years ago, you know, I see them, I might see them in the store or, you know, in the mall, just in passing. And the first thing they'll say is, hey, coach, you know, they still call you, call you coach and they're grown. You know, some of them are grown men to this day. Uh, and if they see me, hey coach, and they'll, they'll tell me about things that they've accomplished since the last time we spoke or I saw them, you know, or even the younger ones when they, you know, may have had some type of struggle in school or, or family issue that I may have sat and tried to work through them with, you know, they come up, coach, I got an A in math last, last semester, you know, and I celebrate that with them. So, you know, just being able to see that growth and, and them realizing that the time that I put in was well worth it, you know, that, that makes me feel rewarded. Um, being, re being a father is honestly one of the greatest joys. I, I can't even really put it into words, you know, how, how much joy I feel being a, a father. And that is an everyday experience to see your child, to talk to them, to see them grow. You know, I, I, it's one of the things my dad told me long time ago um and, you know we live we live in different cities also so when i'm when i used to leave or get ready to go back to where i was where i lived you know he'd be like call me when you get home or let me know you got home safe and i'm like dad i'm grown he was like you never stop worrying about your children you know and he told me that you know probably in my early 20s before i had kids of my own but i am the same way my my son is 24 he's out of the the house and I still hey you doing okay just checking in on you and he's like yeah I'm okay why would you ask someone just because you never stop worrying about your children but it is a joy to just be around them you know seeing them every day being silly you know being yourself and watching them grow and be themselves you know I, I can't really again put it into words how much joy I get out of being a father it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me uh, just, you know, I just get overwhelmed just even thinking about. It. So finally, being a friend, uh, the most rewarding part about that, you know, I, I can only really sum it up from my fraternity's motto, which is friendship is essential to the soul. Um, and that is true, true, true. You know, you have to have relationships with people. Um, no one is meant to be alone, you know, and those friendships, if you cherish them, if you can reciprocate that friendship that's given to you, then it will be essential to your soul. And, you know, you will just, you'll love it every day. Every time you talk to a friend, even if you're not talking to them every day, it could be, you know, you haven't talked to them in six months, but that friendship never goes away. Wow. No wonder you're so good at this, Aaron. <laughs> but, um speak from the heart and with so much passion, um, I can see why, why, you know, people from 10, 15, 20 years never forget the impact that you've had in their lives. And I think that's kind of the big message and takeaway too. Part of me is that when we are serving others, you know, it does come back to us. You know, that friendship is essential to the soul, meaning that it is feeding you as well. Yep. Exactly. That is so very cool. So awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to leave with us? 
Well, I would leave you with this. Uh, God, in his infinite wisdom, recognized that Adam could not make it alone, hence the creation of Eve. Adam himself said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know, with that said, why wouldn't we as men cherish and love women? They are a part of us, just as, you know, children are a part of a man, you know, or how a man cherishes his car or his sports team, anything, you know. So he should feel just as, or if not as more passionate about a woman, you know, be true to who God created you to be, be vulnerable, show your emotion, open up. And it will change the way you see women and enhance your relationship. Most importantly, have fun. Uh, you know, I enjoy, I try to enjoy every day on this earth, you know, especially with the ones that I'm close with, family members, friends, loved ones, because you never know when it's going to be taken away. Um, and, you know, let people see you for who you are. You know, it, it doesn't always have to be, you know, so serious. You know, I'm, I'm a serious person, but I love to joke and play and, you know, and just act silly and you know sometimes you know that's all people really need you know you need a good laugh laughter is good for the soul so i will leave you with that you know and i definitely appreciate you having me here today well yes you're right laughter is good for the soul you have really dropped some jewels on us today i know that it's going to really be impactful to a lot a lot of people i have gotten so much out of it myself so thank you so much for sharing and to our listening audience, thank you for listening and remember to enjoy your journey to better. This is your show with Yolanda Resco. If you'd like to hear more, go to yourshow.com and check out our social pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, you'll find more resources and details on all of the cool conversations and events that we have planned for you guys. So check us out and remember to enjoy your journey to better. Until next time, this is your show and this is Yolanda Rasco.